0: Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, June twenty third. What? What's you okay, Ben? Uh, uh, Just what's going down in the city council today? As (laughs) is. I'm just
1: scrambling to keep up, D. That's all I'm saying. Breaking news (laughs) as uh, just
0: hearing Lori Lightfoot saying what she's saying is just uh, highlighting and bringing it all out. Can't wait to talk about it. Your Vendrowski show for Wednesday, June 23rd is just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our sponsors, SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana the Chicago Federation of Labor and Chicago Reader, Reader chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, all kinds of stuff, including political columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky and our colleague Maya Duke-Masova, chicagoreader.com and chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. There you can find out how you can become a Ben head. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, June 23rd, and live from his attic, this is The Bendrovsky Show. Mm-hmm. Today on the program, Money Monroe Anderson, that's his nickname now on the show, <laughs> and Miles Campflassen. now your host, no money, Ben Jarofsky. (laughs) Hello again, everybody. Here's (laughs) broke-ass Ben Jarofsky. Oh, that was better. That's better.
1: (laughs) We're calling this City Council Showdown Wednesday, and here's why. By the way, I just want to say one thing before we get any further. We will have a show Friday. We just won't have an, oh, what a week it was. Just, Just to clarify, very important. We'll get to that later. But anyway. As the foremost authority in all things politics, I'm here to explain who won yesterday's New York City's mayoral primary. Was it Eric Adams, the cop? Was it Milo Wiley, the AOC progressive? We know it wasn't Andrew Yang, the presidential candidate celebrity. He conceded. Only one problem? I don't know. It's so confusing. This rank voting thing. Help! I'm the expert and I don't know. Plus, I'm distracted. Because just as I was sitting down to write my opening opus. I got barraged by texts <laughs> and emails from listeners going, Ben, you wouldn't believe what's going down in the Chicago City Council. And then they started sending me pictures. 20th Ward Alderwoman, Jeanette Taylor, standing toe-to-toe with Mayor Lori Lightfoot, fingers in their faces, Mayor Lloyd Lightfoot, and Jeanette Taylor going at it. The pictures are bouncing all over social media. How do I know that they're bouncing all over social media? Because everybody's texting me knowing I don't watch social media just to make sure I talk about it. They're fighting over the appointment of Carol Mesa as corporation counsel. Life at once to promote her. Jeanette Taylor says uh, she must address the role, her role in the Anjanette Young case. Anjanette Young, of course, is the Westside resident whose home was invaded by police back in 2019. They had a no-knock warrant, so they knocked down the door. and They found Je- Anjanette Young in her living room naked, having just come out of the shower. Turns out they were at the wrong address. That didn't stop them from hanging around for about another 30 minutes or so, even though it was pretty obvious they had the wrong house, making her stand there naked while they looked around. It was big news. Mayor Lightfoot's first reaction was to blame Mayor Rahm as the raid happened at the tail end of his reign. Her second reaction was to say she knew nothing about it. I will now read the press release regarding the Anjanette Young case that I keep. On my table. Why do I keep it on my table? Because nothing symbolizes my disappointment with Mayor Lori Lightfoot nearly as much as her response to Anjanette Young. And here's what she said. The statement was February excuse me, released December 15th, 2020. Today, I became aware of an incident involving Ms. Anjanette Young from February 2019 before I became mayor, and I saw a video today for the first time. I had no knowledge of either until today. I had a very emotional reaction to what was depicted on the video, as I imagine that many people did. I have further directed review of how this matter was handled by various city departments to determine whether that there was compliance with city procedures. Since this matter is a subject of litigation and an open COPA investigation, I will have no further comment. End of quote. That's the statement she released in December of 2020. It turns out she did know about the case. turns out she was briefed on it. Turns out there were emails exchanged uh, about the case. When the news broke that she did know know about it, she did a 180, said it was awful, promised to get to the bottom of it, fired a corporation counsel, asked to have a private meeting with Ann Jeanette Young. They had the meeting and still city lawyers are in court fighting Ann Jeanette Young because they want to limit the payout. And so Alderman Jeanette Taylor says that this lawyer should be forced to answer more questions about what she knew and when did she know it? And she tag team with Raymond Lopez to defer and publish to keep the appointment from being passed. We all know about defer and publish because it happened at the last city council meeting. That's the one where mayor Lori Lightfoot's allies deferred and publish a proposal to rename Lakeshore drive to Sobble drive. So now the whole city knows about defer and publish, or at least the parts of the city that's paying attention. Mayor Lightfoot was outraged that Jeanette Taylor and, Raymond Lopez would defer and publish her nomination to corporation council. And she let Jeanette Taylor know it. That's why they are going toe to toe. Eventually, Lori Lightfoot was so outraged over the defer and publish that she called a halt to the meeting and scheduled a new one for Friday so that they could get right around to passing Carolyn Meza's appointment as corporation counsel and let the world know that no one tells Lori Lightfoot how to run her city. Mayor Lori Lightfoot didn't like it that someone else used that tactic of deferring and publishing to put off a proposal. Apparently, only she gets to do it. By the way, let me point out, Alderman Raymond Lopez was on the show yesterday and Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor will be on the show tomorrow. So we've got the whole deferred publish crew covered on the Ben Jarofsky show. I have a question. If it's okay for the mayor to defer and publish, shouldn't it be okay for Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor? But it's clear the mayor does not like to lose. We saw that with the elected school board. It passed the House and the Senate, and she's still talking about rewriting the bill. We saw that Friday with the Police Oversight Board. They had a compromise proposal that she and her allies buried in committee. The mayor ran on her support for a police oversight board just as she ran on her support for an elected school board and just as she ran as a reformer who would not tolerate police doing things like bursting into the wrong home with a no-knock warrant and handcuffing a naked woman who did nothing wrong except for being in her home, which isn't wrong at all. Let me point out, Mayor Lori Lightfoot won with about 75% of the vote. That was a mandate. It was a huge victory. If Donald Trump can claim a mandate, even though he got less than 48% of the vote, I think we could safely say that when Mayor Lori Lightfoot wins 75% of the vote, vote it is a mandate, leaving her free to do what she wanted. You would figure that the first thing she would do having just been swept into office with a mandate were the things she would, she said she would do when she was campaigning the things that helped her win 75% of the vote, like police oversight board and elected school board and reforming police officers, man, were we fooled. So going back to New York city's mayor's race, I'm going to hold off on my explanation because apparently there's still a lot of explaining to do about mayoral politics right here in sweet home Chicago. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson, the legendary journalist, uh, Tribune writer, Sun-Times writer, Channel 2 host is on the show. We're getting ready to talk Donald Trump, but he, he knows. Monroe knows I'm going to be asking him about uh, Lori Life and what went down to the city council because he was... Gene Sawyer's press secretary uh, back in the day in the 80s, he knows a thing or two about mayoral politics, mayoral appointments. We may not see eye to eye on this one. We don't see eye to eye on absolutely everything. So I'm really interested to hear what Monroe has to say about this. Uh, and also in the second half of the show, uh, Miles Conflasen will join us uh, from In These Times. He's going to talk about the New York City mayoral, like he's going to explain uh, New York City mayoral politics and whether or not uh, it was a good night for lefties like myself and of the Bernie Sanders and AOC. Uh, persuasion in buffalo i don't know if monroe saw this but in buffalo a, uh, a democratic socialist was elected mayor so lefties are proclaiming victory uh, across the board but in new york city the, the the front runner was a police officer eric adams so it's kind of confusing as to who was the victor in uh yesterday's municipal elections and we'll have an interesting debate i know monroe anderson miles conflasson and myself uh so without further ado I'm going to bring on the great, the legendary Monroe Anderson. Monroe, are you there? I'm here. Good afternoon. Uh, Good afternoon. And I talked so much about all these things that are really burning in my brain right now. And uh, I know that the main thing we're going to be talking about, it's not something I haven't even mentioned yet, which, of course, is the filibuster uh, and the voting rights bill. Uh, in uh, uh, Congress, so much, Monroe, was on my in my head when I woke up this morning uh, that I wanted to talk about, and then when I saw what went down in today's city council meeting, just my uh, focus and obsession with Chicago politics pushed all those other things right me, out of the way. Let me explain Mayor Lightfoot to you. Help me. Help uh, okay. me. I need an explanation.
2: Being the Bulls fan that you are, or what have you. Mayor Mayor Lightfoot is the Michael Jordan of Chicago politics. What? (laughs) Listen to me now. Michael didn't like to lose. The mayor doesn't like to
1: lose. That's simple. All right. So in other words, you're not saying that she's the greatest of all time.
2: No, 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 no. She's not a goat yet. Uh,
1: She's she's not uh, yet.
2: Who knows? I don't know. But she's not a goat, no.
1: Wait. You think there's going to be a day when you will tell me that, in your opinion, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's a greater mayor than Harold Washington? I don't
2: know. I think you, you, uh, Harold was just mayor for five years, and if she if she's mayor for ten years, she may be at some point. She, she may have a change of frame. My you know, part part of the problem with getting uh, someone who's not a politician into office is it's one thing to be on the outside and make all these promises and predictions. When you get in there, you suddenly you're faced with reality and, and you some right, difficult but, decisions to make.
1: But the reality is this.
2: And Harold was a polished uh, yes. p- politician with a, a history who knew how to p- play the game.
1: I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to tell you this right now. Yeah. If I had to rank mayors. Yeah. Uh, in my lifetime, yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not, and I, when I consider my lifetime, I'm going to talk about from the moment I moved to Chicago in 1981. So I'm not even going to deal with Richard J. Daly, uh and Belandic et cetera. Harold's number one, Eugene Sawyer's number two. Okay. And I, Lori Lightfoot.
2: <laughs> I, 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 actually, I, I mean, was talking about the the doesn't like to win lose. That, that okay. Was a new no, I, I yeah yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, that, that is absolutely true. She doesn't like to lose, she, and she likes to tell other people what to do. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, it's what sure. Ma- Michael liked that too. And that yes, was he did.
2: My comp- that, that that was my comparison. My Got reference, it. not on uh, her uh, delivery. I mean, she, yeah. she's not hit many three pointers yet.
1: No, not <laughs> on her greatness. So here's the part that Monroe and help me with this because many um, politicos and strategists. Uh, have come on this show and moderates and centrists have come on this show and told me, Ben, you got to understand how it works. People say all kinds of things when they're campaigning and then they break their promises when they get in office and they do whatever they want to do. But this strikes me as really bizarre Monroe, because the two of the things that are top of my mind that she campaigned on elected school board, and police over uh, a civilian oversight board of the police department. She was the champion on these two issues.
0: She, right. she
1: I, it wasn't just what she told me at the hideout when you were in the audience watching, it's what she yeah. said everywhere she went. She had yeah. 75% of the vote. So it's not, it's not like she turned around like the Clintons did in 1993, the Clintons ran on uh, they were going to bring uh uh, healthcare for all and the lost. They tried and lost. She hasn't even tried. It's not like you say, well, you get in, you say you're going to do something and then you. the reality is you can't get it passed. She hasn't even tried. And I've not seen a politician who just backs off on her promises so quickly without a fight. Again, the Clintons at least tried I will give them credit. They at least tried to have a national health care. You remember, you 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 were living through that. You were talking about it on Channel Two News. I'm sure they at least tried. Lori Lifewood hasn't even tried with elected school board civilian board. So explain to me the why would a politician run promising to, to do elected school board and oversight, win 75% of the vote, and then not even try to do it. Go ahead, explain to me.
2: Because she's an amateur. She, she was not a politician. And so she had these grand ideas of what she was going to do. And then she got in office. And as far as the, the police department is concerned, uh, what is her police department, with her police chief, then it, it it shades it altogether different than what it was like. Those people over there and what they're doing and what they need to do and um, it's it, it's different. And if you are if you are a a a professional politician who's 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 had to deal with this on some level or another, you would know this. I think it was naivete on her behalf. But I don't, I don't know her. The only time I met her was when I was at your show at the Hideaway. Right? I spoke to her for like um, hideouts, outside um, And I spoke to her for like fifteen seconds, something like that. So I don't know her what? personally, but um, wow. but she had a reputation, and mm-hmm. she had a reputation as um, being very bright and very liberal. I, I know a whole bunch of the liberals. She was the liberals candidate in, in Chicago.
1: and and there's a big difference between a liberal and a lefty. And I keep saying this on the show. And uh, I think listeners of the show understand the difference Monroe, because I have so many centrists on the show who are liberals basically. And they listen, you you can listen to a centrist and then listen to me and you go, Oh, that's the difference between a liberal and a lefty. You get what I'm saying? Like Miles who's coming on in about, you know, 15 minutes or so you'll be here too. He's a left. He's even more left than I am. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, maybe not. Yeah. Probably tied, but whatever. The point is.
2: See, so, yeah, I am so place in between. I, I self-describe as being just left of liberal.
1: You, you are, uh, you know, I've known you for a long time, had many political, you're as left as I am, but you've been on the, in the game. Yeah. And you've been, I've never been in the game. You know what I mean? You were the press secretary to sort, you were in the game. So you, you know, like how you have to make adjustments. Right.
2: Right. When I, you know, Sawyer, Sawyer was, had been one of the silent six until he became mayor, for example. And uh, I think it was Donovan. Had a meeting with all the forces that be the the the, the captains of cat commerce in Chicago. We had a meeting with them, mm-hmm. and, and Sawyer was so nervous. I mean, he was just. I mean, he was just like you could see it—the nervousness. And he he Sawyer's told. He said he said these all of these men are king the kings of their personal fiefdom. But they all are, are you because you have the power. You're the mayor, and that's that's one of the dynamics that you come to appreciate in 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 um, being on the inside. And I, and I went to the I went to work for Sawyer because I was curious about how things went on the inside, and. I didn't have anything else better to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> plus, the, plus, the pay
2: wasn't bad. <laughs> plus, the pay wasn't bad, oh, and no, you got to go around the country. I, I gave myself a considerable raise. <laughs> yeah,
1: and you got to do, uh, you know to boss people like me around, so it was fun. But oh, yeah, man,
2: uh, I had power. That was the thing. Is I, I had true power. But once time in my life, the neighbors were coming to me. <laughs> to, to, to get their, their their trees trimmed and to get their potholes filled, and, and I could do it just with a telephone call.
1: But see. Uh- Your little moment on the inside probably gives you a a different vantage point on the issue that Jeanette Taylor was raising than the one I have. And by the way, one more time, folks, Jeanette Taylor will be on the show tomorrow. And I'm sure we'll be talking about this uh, tomorrow with uh, Jeanette. I I booked her a while ago. I didn't even know this was going to go down. This totally caught me by surprise. Uh, But Jeanette Taylor was just sending a message essentially to Lori Lightfoot Monroe that uh, she did not appreciate this mayoral appointee because the mayoral appointee is part of the law department and the law department, uh, in in Jeanette Taylor's opinion has done a wretched job of sort of representing justice uh, in the matter of Ann Jeanette young. And, uh, I know you must have, having been on the uh, inside of city government, have a completely different attitude, uh, than Jeanette Taylor about, a mayoral appointees, what they're supposed to do, how much leeway they have uh, to defy the mayor and what the role of a city lawyer is uh, in regards to his or her job with the corporation council, correct?
2: Correct, yeah. For, for example, uh, while I was press secretary, um, the, the Roosevelt University was setting up a Harold Washington chair. And, and uh, they put in a request to have the actual chair of Harold Washington, the one he died in, that was behind his desk, um, transferred put, uh, given to Roosevelt University. Judd Miner, who was a corporation counsel at the time, says, "We can't just give away city property willy- willy-nilly. You know, it belongs to the city and you can't do it." And uh, Sharon Gets-Gilliam, who was the chief of staff, decided she wanted it to happen. And she says to him, she says, your job, when we tell you something we want, your job is as, as corporation counsel is to figure out how we do it legally, not to tell us what we could do or not do. And um, Roosevelt University has Harold Washington's chair to this day, to my knowledge. Yeah. They definitely got it.
1: Well, that that and that uh, that fits with my general attitude about lawyers, uh, what the role of a lawyer is. Right. Uh, It's not. Nothing is like carved in stone. All these lawyers, their jobs to figure out how to concoct a legal argument to justify whatever policy the boss wants. No,
2: it was said of Harold Washington that when he was a state senator, Depending on the issue and the, and the, the necessity, he could argue uh, convincingly either position, yeah. <laughs> the plus or the minus. He was yeah. that good. And so, um, you know, because he he, he had been a, 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 on the plantation for a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, well, uh, before he rebroke. Before, uh, yeah, he had his moment. By the way, I just want to say uh, uh, Jim Coogan will be joining uh, Monroe and myself next week. We're going to take a, the deep dive on the uh, Supreme Court nominations. I don't know if Jim knows that I, he's coming on next week, uh, but uh, we're going to have a conversation about Supreme Court uh, rulings. This is on my mind because of what uh, Monroe and I were just talking about. Uh, there's The Supreme Court is coming out uh, with a steady stream of them. And I'm some of them surprised me Uh, and uh, Monroe, I have to say this, I don't want to get too much into this conversation because we're going to be doing it with Jim Coogan next week. But uh, some of these rulings have surprised me. The Supreme court is not as much what a rubber stamp for MAGA as I thought it would be. Now I, I know there's potential really upsetting rulings down the road on other cases, but uh, at the moment, I have to say that I'm well. I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised because I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I'm caught off guard a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you agree with that? The yeah, little... yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, um, on on these really big right wing issues, mm-hmm. I think. The um, right-wing justices will be who we think they are, but on, on this on the small potato stuff, they they can be more um, even-handed, shall we say? Ex- except for um, Clarence, Thomas and, uh, Alito. Clarence Thomas and
1: Alito. Man, Clarence Thomas and Alito—they are just. They just won't quit, man. They're just lodged into that far right extreme. They're as moving, but they did vote uh, on the, um, on whether athletes should be able to make some money from the NCAA. They did vote uh, with, I think it was just nine to nothing. Uh, yeah.
2: It was nine zero
1: nine zero. So uh, anyway, so we're going to have that conversation uh, next week uh, with Jim Coogan. All right. We're going to, I'm going to move. Uh, away from uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh tomorrow we'll be talking a lot about it with Taylor probably have a little conversation with it, uh, get Miles thoughts on it uh, that story is just breaking and there will there will not be a Dusable. um Lakeshore Drive vote today, the Mayor Lori Lightford canceled the meeting and postponed it till Friday, the DuSable Drive. Of course, the, the motion by uh, the proposal by Alderman David Moore and Alderman Sophia King to rename Lakeshore Drive uh, for DuSable. Uh, there was going to be a showdown vote today. And I don't know how it was going to turn out. I'm very doubtful that they're going to have enough votes to override a mayoral uh, veto. I wasn't even sure they would have enough votes to pass it uh, in the face of opposition from Mayor Lori Lightfoot. But we won't know until Friday. It will be delayed one more time. Uh, Monroe, do you have any opinions on that before we we head to national news?
2: Uh, I have an opinion. I I like the idea of DuSavo Drive. Uh, there are uh, lakeshore drive although if you're from Chicago or you've been to Chicago you know what it is but other than that it's you know it's it's a drive around the lake <laughs> you yeah, know I mean it's, it's not a big deal whereas um, I think the uh, founder of the city should be r- recognized better than he is I mean yeah. George, George George Washington everywhere, for everything. And we have the DuSable Museum of, uh, of African-American History, and, and we got a half an acre or something as a park, <laughs> DuSable Park down there. There are two blocks or less than two blocks. It's, but anyway
1: it's not a lot of, of, of uh, land yeah and the mayor uh, in, in order uh, as an offer to uh, get David Moore to drop his proposal uh, said she would spend I think commit 40 million dollars uh, to fixing up the Dusabo park and uh, we were talking about that last week I remember I had a laugh because theavo park that they want to fix up is not even it's on the it's in the loop. So yeah, right. there's so many inequities in the city of Chicago. And so in order to honor uh, a black man, they're going to give money to a mostly white community. I'm like right. this city, this is my right. city. <laughs> right. Nothing right. ever changes in this city. Right. So that, that was my suggestion. Uh, activists should make a movement to change Washington park, to name it for Fred Hampton. And to if, To beat that back, they'll pour so much money into Washington Park, Monroe. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, right. We can't name a part for Fred Hampton. All right, Uh, in uh, in Washington right now, Washington, uh, the Democrats took it on the chin yesterday. I was very upset about this. Uh, This was really burning on my mind until Jeanette Taylor and Lori Lightfoot sort of knocked it out. But Monroe. I'm very frustrated right now, so I need your advice and your counsel as a uh, wise observer of these things. Very frustrated with the Democrats' inability to convince Joe Manchin uh, and Senator Cinema from Arizona uh, to just abandon the filibuster, at least on this one vote, because this is everything. I know I'm obsessed with Chicago politics, ladies and gentlemen, but this voting rights bill is literally everything to it if is. The Democrats are going to hold on in 2022 and win the re-election in 2024 they cannot do it in the face of the kinds of changes the Republicans want to implement.
2: this, is, Republicans- beyond, this is beyond party. This is truly democracy at risk. I mean because if the Republicans have their way then they will just they will be so outrageous with all this stuff. I mean, they will, they will, they will be calling um, elections even after the vote has been counted. They will have someone in position to say, "Well, um, that vote didn't count for some reason or another." We have the authority to say it. I mean, it's incredible what they're trying to do. But it's, it is a, a, a another attempt at a coup. Uh, January six was that. Now they have a slow-moving coup going on. They have 300, I think it's 61, it's 300-plus bills they're trying to pass in uh, 48 states that will restrict the vote. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's really interesting, um, Moscow Mitch's uh, uh, declaration Mm -hmm. yesterday was he didn't want the federal government, you couldn't have the federal government meddling in on states' um, uh, rights, basically. But what's so hypocritical about that is what the states are doing—the uh, Republican states that are that have taken over this—is they're telling local municipalities in their state uh, how they want the, the votes to be counted. Yeah, you know, so it's okay for the state to do it to the cities and the counties, but it's wrong for the federal government to do it to the states, yeah. which is really weird. Uh,
1: we're gonna bring Miles Conflassen on a little bit, uh, but I just wanna finish up this conversation, Monroe. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling particularly frustrated, and maybe while Miles is listening to this conversation, he can come up with a, something that can help me here. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling particularly frustrated as to what the Democratic strategy can be going forward. Uh, it's so obvious to me that uh, this was an attempt by the Republicans mm-hmm. To what uh, game the system so that they won't lose. So this is you're you're absolutely correct. They concoct these flimsy uh, ideological or principled alleged alleged principal reasons for the position they're taking, but it's really uh, it's all an attempt uh, to set up a system that will guarantee them reelection. So with
2: more power. This this is what's happening with them. They are are just. Trying to exercise raw power. In the meantime, um, the good old Dems are trying to ha- have um, principles and and and, um, and and policies and things of that nature. And, and, and the Republicans are saying, "Fuck that shit." Yeah, <laughs> we want the power, and that's it's, it. And that, absolutely. You know, and they're going for it. They're they're not embarrassed by the way they're doing it. They're not ashamed of it. They're nothing but just. This is what we want. And we're going to do everything we can possible
1: to get it. So in yesterday, the Dems advanced their bill, their uh, voting rights bill. It's uh, it's canceled. Talk about cancel culture. It's literally canceled without debate because the Republicans essentially uh, that a filibuster. They don't even have to literally filibuster. They don't right. have to get off their chairs, get right. their little lazy butts down to the Senate right. to argue like the old days filibuster. Right. They just announce a filibuster and that's it. And the news is Dems blocked. And, right. and so Monroe, when – what can the okay. Democrats do?
2: Okay, well, the Democrats the Democrats are saying that this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. Okay, one tactic they're using is they're going to take it to the people. I mean, they're going out, um, um, got a blanket on her name, the, the The senator from Minnesota who ran. Um,
1: Amy Klobuchar. Yeah,
2: yeah, Klobuchar is going to Georgia to have hearings. On on the vote and et cetera, to expose this, to make people aware, to keep it in, aware. So they're taking it to the streets. That's one tactic. The other tactic is they're going to pressure their people in Arizona um, showing, uh, protesting with um, cinema uh, in her, her, her state. And then today, uh, their protesters who are in Washington. Um, who who are marching on um, Manchin's office, Senate office? So they, they're they're turning it up. They're 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 doing a fight, but they they need to be fighting more. So we'll see.
1: We will see. All right, we're going to bring we on Miles. This happened. We
2: just cannot let it happen.
1: No, we can't. No, and, and it's over. Uh, and I'll repeat before I bring Miles Conflossen on and get his thoughts on this. It. When I see the, the headline in the paper and I read the articles, there's to say Republicans block Democrats crushing defeat for the Democrats. I find it so dispiriting because part of my frustration is with the Democratic Party and that mm-hmm. they can't get Manchin and Cinema to act with the caucus, if you will. A party is only as good as the discipline of that party. At some point you have to have discipline and you're in a a battle and Monroe just put it out there. This is all, this is a naked power grab and they're doing it to hold by the Republicans. uh, And essentially they're trying to hold on power by making it very difficult for black people to vote or having the authority to throw out those black votes because right. Monroe, you know, I keep pointing this out in Michigan, they were trying to reverse the electoral outcome in Michigan by throwing out the votes from Detroit, right? Throwing right. out the votes, just right. going to the, the city with the most black right. people and throwing out the votes.
2: And they've already, Republicans have already stacked the courts. And so we don't know what's going to happen. When some, the, these cases show up in the court, it depends on what which, which judge gets his his hands on. It's not even his or her because it was mainly mainly uh, conservative white men that niche packed the courts with. So no, this is the battle. It's a battle. Yeah, this is the battle, and we cannot afford to lose it.
1: All right, if Miles Comply, son in these times is uh, joining me in Monroe uh, miles, thank you very much for taking the time to come talk with us. Uh, and by the way, I blame you for completely throwing my day upside down. It was miles who first told me when I was chatting with him this morning about the Jeanette Taylor uh, Lori Lightfoot showdown and I be, utterly became obsessed with it miles. <laughs> everything I was going to do today got thrown out the window. We'll get back to uh Uh, Jeanette Taylor and uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. But, Miles, your general thoughts uh, about what Monroe and I are talking about, like what should be the next step for the Democrats uh, in the face of what the Republicans did yesterday uh, in the Senate?
3: Well, they should uh, abolish the filibuster. Um, I think the fact of the matter is the only way to overcome Republican obstruction at this point on matters that don't relate to uh, budgetary issues, which are the only ones that can pass, uh, without a 60 volt threshold at this point. Um, the only way to get around that uh, Republican obstruction, which they've promised and they've now, um, you know, shown to be true to their word on with uh, their actions yesterday, um, this is it. You know, it's a rubber meets the road kind of moment for a party that ran on an agenda that was massively popular, uh, that remains massively popular, from expanding voting rights uh, and democracy to helping uh, working people uh, to expanding healthcare and education. Um, they have an opportunity to enact that agenda, uh, or to just see it, um, you know, sit in the Senate chambers and die under uh, the rule of Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. And so, right now, that's the the, the choice that faces them. And there's nothing more fundamental um, to American democracy and you know our ability to have a say in our government than uh, voting rights. And the fact that that is the primary rallying cry of the Republican Party right now to restrict voting rights, and of course doing it in a completely racist way, Um, and attacking the areas that, as you mentioned, Detroit and other areas where uh, there's large voters of color, uh, large segments of voters of color, that's disenfranchisement. You know, that is what um, the uh, conservative forces in this country have been trying to do since its founding. And the Democratic Party, if it stands for anything, needs to um, draw the line and say that we're going to expand voting rights, and uh, we're not going to let McConnell block it all. I mean, he said he's going to do that. He said his his goal is to block 100% of Biden's agenda. Um, so, and, we, and as Monroe just laid out, the Republican Party on a local level is doing that across the country. Um, they are going to do it on a national level as soon as they win back power, and their goal is to have enough uh, impact on the elections in 2022 to retake the House and then block all of Biden's agenda and hopefully usher in, uh, you know, a reign of power, but through uh, minoritarian tactics rather than building, you know, consensus behind their policies. People don't want what the Republicans are offering, so they're just going to, you know, segment the votes that they want um, to so that they can stay in power. And if, if the Democrats don't see that by now, um, they're fooling themselves. So right. think-
2: and, and, yeah, yeah. And, and President Santos is going to be worse than President Trump.
3: Yeah. DeSantis, um, yeah, and in Florida, saying, I mean, he's uh, yeah. he's the, he's certainly being groomed to be the next exactly. Yeah, and you see what they uh, that what they're doing in Florida. They're just doing the Trump playbook uh, at, a, at a state level, and that's what we should expect to see uh, right. nationally. Now, this is doom and gloom, but it doesn't have to be that way because even you know you just said Ben that you got to get mansion and cinema in order. I agree with that, but they even they voted for this version of the voting rights bill that advanced. Uh, yesterday, that the Republicans then filibustered. You know, they had their 50 votes for that. So, had the filibuster not existed, Kamala Harris could have been the tiebreaker, and we would have the For the People Act or some version of it. So, I mean, at this point, it does. it that, it, it's it's a basic matter of fact that the only thing preventing these. These uh, reforms, uh, whether it's voting rights or whether it's, you know, um, expanding health care or funding infrastructure, all these things that the Democrats want to do, they can do them and they would be able to do them. And we could actually see progressive change in America if we didn't have this um, uh, filibuster in place.
1: Well, don't you think uh, it's inevitable, Miles and then Monroe, uh, you answered as well, that we're going to have a showdown filibuster vote? I mean... If something so basic and fundamental as voting rights, which it's a matter on top of the principles that Monroe articulated, it's also a very pragmatic thing self preservation of the Democratic Party. If these laws across the country are passed and implemented, I don't know how Democrats can win in a close state like Georgia or Michigan. If, Ohio is Ohio, well, not even that close, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I could think about three or four states that went Democrat for Biden this time could yeah. flip uh, and become a Republican if only because these lackeys, these MAGA lackeys that are appointed by the legislators would overturn the vote.
2: Right.
1: And that's what Republicans are trying to do. They're trying to set that up in states throughout the union. So isn't it just inevitable just for a matter of uh, of survival of the democratic party that they confront the filibuster and put up or shut up mansion and cinema are you going to vote for your principles of democracy or are you going to abide by this bizarre senate rule your thoughts miles
3: i think that you're exactly right there there is going to have to come a moment um Issue is that you know President Biden is, if nothing else, an institutionalist, and particularly when it comes to uh, the Senate and uh, Senate dynamics. So uh, he has been open to you know reforming the filibuster and potentially changing things, but he's not mm-hmm. uh, yet advocating and and, and uh, lobbying his caucus to get behind changes to um, stop the level of Republican obstruction we've seen. We've actually seen more openness from Chuck Schumer. You know, he's said that, look, we're gonna put these bills on the floor, Republicans are gonna block them, and then we're going to say, we have to uh, change the rules so that we can get, because we can't just have an action. Now that's what he says, It's at this stage in the process, we're past where you know we would be if that was actually working effectively, because you know you'd expect as soon as the Republicans block a voting rights bill, um, which schumer has said is the number one priority is to pass this uh, voting rights bill that's when you say we got to deal with this filibuster um there's ways to change it without abolishing it you know you spoke earlier about they're not actually filibustering yeah you could make senators stand up and you know speak the good mr smith goes to washington style like do a actual filibuster um you could you know there's all kinds of changes and reforms that would make it more difficult to short of abolishing and that might be something that mansion and cinema or are more open to but that needs to be pursued and it needs to happen fast because you know the campaign season is beginning for 2022 now and um if they by this summer haven't established these rules that would override the local changes to voting laws then whatever georgia and texas and florida and these states have in their laws for those elections are going to be in place. And we're not going to be able to override that don't if we don't have this um, legislation passed quickly. So it's not as if you know there's all the time in the world for uh, the Democrats. And you're right; it's really a question of survival for them at this point because there's no way that you know you can have one party that's radicalizing against democracy um, and you know carving out their version of the electorate, and you can still contest for power under that scenario. That just that just is a recipe for a party you know for, uh, dying basically. And so that's what it, it comes down to for the democrats hopefully they see it you know hopefully we're not shouting into the wind because it's a um, you know it's a number one issue look at what happened in georgia i mean the reason that raphael warnock and uh, john ossoff won those seats is in large part because of the work of stacy abrams and 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 uh, her organizations in the state of georgia that have been uh, primarily focused on defending voting rights and um, and that you know, help to bring out, you know, a real uh, show of support for the Democratic Party. That uh, If those Democrats now come back, and especially Warnock has to run again, you know, in 2022, and they don't have a voting rights bill to show for it, and they're stuck with, you know, what has happened in their state with all of these restrictions, it's hard to see how the Democratic Party can actually continue to win power in that state or anywhere in the South. I, I'm with you,
1: Monroe. Do you think uh, the time has come for the Democrats to have this throwdown? Uh,
2: well, I think it's I, coming. I don't. I don't think it's come yet. Um, look back on Pelosi with the impeachment of of Trump. What she did was hand wringing and saying, "Well, I'm not sure I want to do this," but that was part of the strategy where she wanted to look as much like she didn't want to, and. It, and in fact, at, at one point, I remember, she was asked, well, uh, didn't she want um, Trump impeached? And she said, I want to see see, see Trump impeached. She said, I want to see Trump in jail. <laughs> yeah, sure. so, so there was no question <laughs> so, so what Biden is doing is, is he's just letting them work, uh, make every effort possible. To be bipartisan with the Republicans, and then, and then one day, and, and in that not too distant future, he's going to just go, "Okay, that's it." Okay, yeah. he'll call, he'll call Mansion and Cinema into the office and say, "You got to take one for the team." I know you don't want to do this and everything, but you cannot let this happen. And, you know, it reminds me of of, of what uh, Churchill said about America is that you can always count on America to do the right thing after they've tried everything else. <laughs> That's what the Republicans are doing now. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, no, you can never... The, yeah, the Democrats. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I find it baffling. And I do know uh, that if the roles were reversed, uh, the Republicans would have gotten rid of that filibuster. Oh, At least yeah. Was, this, no, yeah, right. It'd yeah. be gone. I'm gone. And and and, I, and you know, like I said, I said this to Miles earlier. You could get rid of it just for this one vote. It's a Senate rule. You could do whatever you want with it. Right. And you got going back and to the it's
2: other not in the Constitution. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not a constitutional question.
1: But, but see, this is what the this is what the, the Republicans this is particularly frustrating. Miles, this is what the Repu- they do. They set up these like uh, foundational showdowns like the filibuster. Remember, and for a while it was packing the court during the campaign remember that packing and yeah. then they throw that at the Dems. Are you going to get rid of the filibuster? And then it, it's sort of like the Dems retreat a little bit because they're afraid because it looks it, they don't want to look, it seems like they're being too, uh, partisan, which I don't know why they worry about that. Cause the sliver of the vote of the voter that decides an election, uh, I think is over exaggerated in terms of people who worry well, about partisanship. Well, well then McConnell, they back off. Go ahead. Right.
2: McConnell is charging that the actual uh, vote yesterday, where they were going to hear just about uh, discuss whether to debate the the well to debate the voting rights bill. McConnell charged the Democrats for being too political. If <laughs> yes, he did, they were bringing in by the way, they, were, they were bringing in politics. Into yes,
1: this see, see what I'm saying, Miles. That's exactly the point. Like, the, the, the Republicans accuse the Democrats, just like Monroe saying being political, and the Democrats back off. They're all politicians, it's all right. political. Right. They back, exactly. Oh, no, we're not being political. We're, we <laughs> no, they like take the Republican argument and pretend that there's some legitimacy to it. Right. It's very frustrating.
3: It is. I, I really hope that uh, Monroe is right, that, uh, you know, that it's all we're leading up to that moment of, you know, Biden uh, bringing them and everybody in and saying this is the way it's got to be. I just, you know, I, I feel like we've been bamboozled before in terms of, you know, trusting in the process, so to speak. So I, I always think it's helpful to have a little bit of outside pressure rather than uh, oh, yeah. trusting in yeah. those in power, you know, to, 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 to do this kind of stuff. And I, I, don't, um, I don't disagree that there's a, a strategy at play that the Democrats are, Democratic uh, leadership is engaged in. I think you're seeing the same thing around the infrastructure negotiations, you know, where they're potentially setting up an opportunity to say hey, we tried or even reach a deal on some of the basic, you know, nuts and bolts, road, roads and bridges elements and then go up their own way and pass a, a larger bill on a party line vote. Um, but when it comes to the filibuster, it's just you're right that that's a challenge that the Republicans are making to the Democrats and saying, are you really going to do this, you know, because wait till you see what happens, you know, but that's a, it's politics of fear and it's no, and it, it's not going to lead to anything happening in Washington. And if there's one thing we've learned is that when voters see, uh, things not changing when you know people get put into office, and especially when Democrats get put into office, Republicans benefit electorally because they're able to seize on that uh, inaction and, and, and grievances by voters and uh, ride that to victory, whereas Democrats have a harder road to hope because they have to make an affirmative case for government actually ch- being able to uh, improve people's lives in a way, in a meaningful except,
2: way. Except, um, right now, at this moment, Miles, we have a different situation because for the past year, because of the pandemic, people have realized how important government is. And, and in, in, in uh, two, two weeks, I think it is, uh, lots of families with children is going to start getting money in, into their accounts and uh, from the government. And I think that's going to have an impact. As far as the um, filibuster is concerned, this is my prediction. Uh, ben knows I go out on a limb periodically.
1: Periodically? <laughs> like every week? Go ahead.
2: <laughs> this, is, this is my prediction, <laughs> is that the, the Dems will reform the filibuster. They won't kill it outright, but uh, they're going to have a lower number um, b- before you can filibuster. Instead of 60 as a number, uh, it may be 55. It may, hopefully, it'll be lower than that because 55 is not going to do that much good, I don't think. Uh, uh, one one Democrat, I can't remember who, uh, selected the number 41. Said if if it's 41, um, then you can filibuster. You have 41. And the other thing that's going to happen for sure is they're not going to be able to filibuster and then go home. Say, OK, I, this is a filibuster. <laughs> See you in two weeks. <laughs> you got you, you to gotta have to stand there night over for hour after hour and make your case and not read green eggs and ham.
1: <laughs> I, I, well, that's what I think is going to happen. But you can't reform it. Yeah, uh, if if the Republicans are voting as a block. And so if your ultimate goal is to pass legislation, be it infrastructure or uh voting rights, you gotta get rid of it. Because
2: it's no, clear. okay, no 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 Bill, you you didn't hear me. Okay, if you change it to to uh, uh forty one
1: so that means 41 yeah, that, yeah, votes you, yeah. to override it
2: over. Yeah. Override oh, it. You, know. you change it to yeah. that and you require that you have to be there. Uh, yeah. That's work. You know, it's easy for me, you know, it's it, it's easy, easy for me to say, well, I don't like this. And so um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to go along with it. And then I'm going home and be with my wife and kids. But it's another thing. If, if first of all, you 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 have trouble getting to the number, yeah. and then those who are at the number actually have to be there, and arguing against it.
3: And well, so, so that's
2: where we're going because with 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 um, it's love for the filibuster for some reason, I mean, which amazes me because it's it's really just a racist tool. It's been from it, it, since since the Civil War. And all during uh, Jim Crow, I mean, it's been effective against black people. And so, why, why if they, they have this love for it, I'm not sure, you know. But they love the Confederate flag too. So
1: yeah, they love it for the very so, reason you said it. Right. Uh, it blocks the. They're going to use it try in this case to block uh, the black vote. That's right. off, so clear. Uh, Miles, I'm going to sh- uh, shift gears a little bit uh, to New York City. The mayor's race that went down there yesterday. No clear-cut winner yet although Eric Adams uh, the former police officer the president of Brooklyn Borough uh, is ahead of um, of Wiley Maya Wiley who was endorsed by AOC and something you said uh, Miles triggered and I took notes on it Uh, the Democrats have a greater gap if you will between the extremes in their party so if you view the Democratic Party as guests on the Ben Jarofsky show, you have centrists and you have lefties. I'm not going to say Monroe is a complete centrist because we have guests who are actually to the right of Monroe. Uh, Miles, you and Micah uh, kind of on my left flank on this show. You know what I'm saying? And that gap is a pretty big gap. And a guy like Joe Biden has to somehow or other accommodate both ends of it, if you follow what I'm saying. Republicans, it's all MAGA. You know what I'm saying? It's like they don't have much of a gap.
2: Because they ran all the centuries out. out. Uh, they quit. They they, yeah, quit they, and they ran them out.
1: Exactly. So that's a, a challenge for the Democrats. And I saw that very much in the New York primary. I said the New York primary, where uh, AOC endorsed. Maya Wiley, who was not doing that well in the polls, as soon, as soon as she got that AOC stamp of approval, she shot up in the polls. Is now sec, came in second in the first round, uh, and Eric Adams sort of established himself as the centrist, if you will, and he has the whole. He's, he's law and order candidate. Law and order, which and, for and the uh, Democrats is a centrist.
2: Yeah, right. Well, and, and, and no. But this is the thing: is this is real? Is is the shootings are, the shootings have gone up in new york as they have here and nothing will get your attention quicker um uh, than a hanging the only thing that will get your your, your attention quicker focus the mind quicker than a hanging is an idiot running around with a a, a a machine gun just willy-nilly shooting people so this is this guy was a former adam's a former cop and um and he's he, he's talking law and order but not in the republican sense I mean, he's not that bad
1: well like, he's an, an interesting a- amalgam uh, monroe i was tempted yeah. to vote i mean i don't live in new york but i was tempted to vote for him because he talked he talked about uh how as a black man he was a victim of police abuse right. and right. Uh, also as a police officer uh, he stood up and defied the police department on several occasions uh, he was very political as a police officer. So he was, he's kind of an interesting amalgam of law and order and reform. Right. Uh, so, well, Miles, I'll ask you what's your sense of the message that came out of yesterday's vote in New York?
3: Well, I think there's no doubt that Eric Adams was able to successfully. Um, you know, take advantage of the fact that the race became a referendum on exactly what you two are discussing, law and order, um, and policing and uh, public safety. Imagine the way that the mayor's race here in 2019 became a referendum on corruption. And, you know, Lori Lightfoot, I think, was really able to benefit from that because she was well-positioned. And you're right, I think Eric Adams both... um, had a strong message that we need to you know to provide more safety and more support for law enforcement uh, in New York while also speaking out against uh, police abuses and using his own personal story to to make that point um so in that sense i think that it was it made sense even uh andrew yang who whose campaign kind of cratered at the end but you saw him at the end pivot to start making more of a focus on crime and um and criminal justice issues um and that is not terrain that progressives always do well on um i would say that you know as a uh, a counter to that, in a way, is there, there was a mayor's race in Buffalo, New York, um, last night, where an uh, outspoken left-wing uh, woman, India Walton, was able to, Democratic Socialist as well, she was able to win, to beat out the incumbent and win the mayorship. And Buffalo was a place that's seen a massive spike in crime and shootings over the past year, um, and she was still able to um, to win. So I don't think necessarily, you know, crime issues, uh, mean that politics and people's political choices shift um, to the center to the right, uh, but it, it does make it a more uh, comfortable ground for people like Adam. So, uh, so I wasn't shocked by that. But that said, the race isn't over because uh, they have a ranked choice voting system, and so there's going to be I think that's another week until the absentee ballots will come in, and then those need to be uh, tabulated and ranked as well, and more and more of these, you know. It was, I think, 13 people that were on the ballot uh, in that primary. So they've got to go through all 13 of those candidates, you know, from the bottom up and then redistribute those uh, second, third, fourth, fifth place votes to the other candidates before they'll actually see who uh, hits that 50 percent plus one uh, uh mark and 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 becomes mayor and i think it will go down to uh the wire even a little bit more than what we uh see yeah, now.
2: We we haven't seen the white smoke yet. <laughs> uh
1: it's 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 not a, a papal election but uh it's close. All right miles your job right now uh is uh the tough job of doing what i can't do and uh, that is to give an an immediately understandable explanation of how rank voting works. Uh, in my defense, I am crippled with dyslexia. So immediately when I start with my explanations, I always get mixed up. Uh, so, uh, take it away. Miles, I called him up this morning. I go, miles, you got to come on the show and explain how rank voting works. Go ahead, miles.
3: Sure. Uh, I think the easiest way to understand it is to uh, actually use another term that is common in the parlance of ranked choice voting, which is instant runoff. Um, And what that means is rather than having an actual, you know, runoff election uh, and, you know, after you have two candidates, that's, you know, what we have here in Chicago, we remember we, you know, had multiple runoff elections where then voters cast their ballots again um, in the, in the, Case of ranked choice voting, you're having uh, just tiers of inst- of instant runoffs between these candidates through your ranking system, um, and it's helpful to think about it in terms of you know how it relates and contrasts with our current system, which is winner take all. So, what uh, advocates of ranked choice voting would argue is that that disenfranchises. Uh, huge swaths of the electorate because their votes essentially don't count for anything because they vote for one person that doesn't make it into that, you know, top tier and their votes are essentially thrown out. Um, and that creates something called the spoiler effect. Uh, and I think we saw that most memorably in the 2000 election with, um, in Florida with Al Gore, Bush and Nader. A lot of people said, you know, Nader, blame Nader for throwing the election to uh, Bush and under ranked choice voting you would imagine that uh you know people that ranked nader one they still would have voted their conscience but they would have ranked gore ahead of bush and therefore that would have led to a different outcome than than what happened um and it wouldn't have disenfranchised you know all of the people that voted for even other candidates for you know different parties or what have you so that's the kind of argument in favor of it in terms of how it actually works um, I kind of laid this out, but um, basically, you know, all the candidates are, are are put on the ballot and different states and municipalities have different versions of it. You know, this is ranked choice voting. It's used around the world. It's been used for a very long time in places like Australia. The United States has flirted with it. Maine, on a statewide basis, has been the most recent area to uh, to run it, but uh, there's different rules of how many people you rank in New York. You could rank all of them. So that's 13 different, um, you know, placements that you could put these candidates in. Now we have the results of the election and we see who got the most first place votes um, and we see who is at the bottom. So now it's a process of going through those bottom tier candidates and reallocating their votes to uh, the rest of the field. And then you see at the end of uh, that process, once you go through, most likely you'll end up with the top two candidates at the end of all that. And whichever one of those candidates has more than 50% will become the winner. And rather than having to do a whole other runoff election, it just instantly happens through the process of tabulating and reallocating those votes. So I know that was slightly long winded, but, uh, no, you know, the job, best dude. way to understand it, I think the best way to understand it, especially if you, you know, don't, if it's confusing to hear or read about there's, there's uh, helpful animations you can watch that, you know, people, different groups have put together I think KQED <laughs> and San Francisco did one. So for the dyslexic amongst us, that might be a, uh, <laughs> a better way you could just kind of you know see an animation of how these votes are then um, uh, distributed across the, uh, to the different candidates
1: by the way i'm just going to make a uh an edit of what your uh, your explanation which was a very good one uh, you said they'll you instantly know without a special election there's no instant in this uh it's taking them I think <laughs> they keep saying it won't be until july you know so that's the part i'm like wait you have computers. You, you can't just literally push a freaking button right now and figure out all that. Like, Andrew Yang is one of the lower vote. He's not going to be one of the top two voters. So you can't right now have the computer tabulate like the Andrew Yang votes, the voters, who they choose, second, third, fourth, etc., and so forth, and re, re, reapportion. I don't know why it's taking till July. Um, do you have any explanation on that, Miles?
3: Uh, Well, I do know that they are still waiting for absentee votes, which could have a big impact. So um, that's part of the reason that they said initially June 29th is when we should expect it. But you're right. They now say it could go well into July, depending on um, how people have ranked people. I mean, if if after after June 29th, the absentee votes are in and they reallocate uh, various votes from that stage, and Eric Adams has over 50% of the vote, he'll be the next mayor yeah. of New York. But if he doesn't, then you have to see, you know, is Maya Wiley going to benefit? Is Catherine Garcia going to benefit? And one of the dynamics in the New York mayor's race is that while Adams had massive support across the uh, city, and particularly in um, communities of color in New York, I and mean, he was backed by many um, unions, you know, which includes many public workers, city workers, uh, he had like like 19 major union endorsements in the city, um, so understandably he you know did very well, and a lot of people ranked him first. That said there's not as many people that likely ranked him second as might have ranked uh, Maya Wiley or uh, Catherine Garcia. We saw in the waning days of the campaign, Andrew Yang formed an alliance with Catherine Garcia and they campaigned together and he told his supporters to rank her second on on his ballots. So, and that's what happens in in ranked choice voting. And another part of the reason for it is to prevent the kind of political polarization that you were just talking about, Ben, because, you know, that's the issue in winner take all is that people just try to appeal to their base so that they can beat out the other person whereas in under this system what you know advocates would say is that it causes you to have to appeal to voters from other camps as well and not alienate them you know and so there is more kind of alliance forming and everything so we'll see what happens in terms of the reallocation i will
1: uh, i have to say this i love, love to hear monroe's reaction to this uh generally uh miles When I hear an explanation of ranked voting, uh, people do, as you did, talk about uh, the the 2000 presidential election in Florida, uh, and, uh, Ralph Nader's voters having a second choice could have voted for Gore and Gore would have been victorious. Somebody, I can't remember, I'm really doing a disservice to my guest who's on the show said we had ranked voting in Chicago in 1983, the greatest mayor of the city of Chicago ever had uh, Harold Washington probably would not have been victorious because it was a three-way race. Uh, the white vote was split between Jane Byrne and Richie Daly, which is, uh, how Harold was able to win the primary by virtue of the fact that he got overwhelming black support afterwards rank voting and they would have added the second place votes of Daly and burn or daily, I guess. And my guess is they would have been for Jane burn, not Harold Washington. And so the greatest mayor the city of Chicago ever had would not have been elected mayor, uh, and, um, would not, uh, had the legacy that he has. Monroe, what's your thoughts about that when you hear that story?
2: Uh, I, I think Spanky the
1: Clown would have got the rest. <laughs> Over Harold Washington.
2: <laughs>
1: you see the point, Miles? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, I'm kind of yeah, glad well, we well, didn't I, have rank well, voting. Well,
2: no, that's true, but um, but had had that been the situation, you would have had other candidates, I think. If with that mix you would have had other players. You know if, uh, what? It wouldn't have just been those three. Miles,
1: that's why he's Monroe Anderson and I'm me. That's good. I hadn't thought of that. you had rank voting with other people. All right, uh Miles, I have to ask you this. And I've been thinking a lot about this. I um I probably would have voted for Eric Adams in New York as my second choice and uh, Maya Wiley as my first choice, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I love the AOC uh, endorsement. And to me, there's two issues right now that um, mayors face in cities. Uh, One is the issue of policing, and in particular policing in black communities. And and the other is the issue of inequity, how we pay for everything, who's picking up the tab, and how we spend the money. My sense is that Maya Wiley would be better on the matter of uh, inequities, who, taxation, who pays what, and how the money is distributed than Eric Adams. But I think Eric Adams offers great promise uh, on the issue of policing, because he has those roots in the police department and because uh his background where he was unafraid to confront the police department and its policies so he's always already kind of moved in that direction uh how do you see it do you uh how would you have voted if you were in that uh, if you lived in new york city and uh do you see it the same way i do go ahead
3: Well, I would add another issue um, into that mix, which is uh, it was, uh, you know, there's a massive crisis of housing in New York City and the, the That has created many of the, or helped lead to many of the inequities that you just discussed because people uh, that work for a living, that, you know, rely on a salary to make their way have been pushed farther and farther out of New York City. And that's a dynamic that's happening across the country. Um, And, uh, but it's very uh, hyper-focused in New York because there's a massive real estate uh, and development industry that has huge influence over the politics and i think that one of the biggest um Failures of the De Blasio administration was the inability to really take on that uh, that real estate lobby, and that is the exact same lobby that Eric Adams has um, fundraised off of, has has cozy's up to, and he, and he's you know refused to even say he wants to expand tenant protections or um, rental assistance or um, rent controlled uh, apartments. He says he wants to focus on small homeowners, but uh, and landlords and and supporting them. But if you look at the median medium landlord in New York, it's not small, you know, it's not just a mom and pop operation. They're still huge businesses, Um, and they uh, extract huge profits off of working people in the city, and then they also create conditions where only the super-rich can uh, afford to live in many areas in the city. So I think that's another real issue, and and that's one area where Maya Wiley did have a much more uh, progressive uh, platform and could make a larger difference. So I certainly think that she would have been, uh, you know, a better choice, and she still depending on how things pan out she still could have a chance and i think you're right to say that aoc's endorsement went a long way that said a lot of community groups then got behind her as well and i think that they would then be her constituency that she would answer to whereas eric adams you know Granted, the unions were behind him, but also he had a lot of really wealthy big business support, as did Andrew Yang. So I think they will have a much larger uh, say uh, if he becomes mayor and how he runs the city. So that's really my... Uh, concern I think on policing too there's a lot of questions I mean he says he wants to expand solitary confinement he says he wants to you know boost funding of uh, law enforcement uh, in in the city so those kind of don't necessarily align with the type of reforms that um, you know we many of us would like to see when it comes to uh, police departments so yeah it's 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 complicated it was kind of a shit show you know i mean it does it definitely makes the chicago race in 2019 it makes us feel a little bit less silly because it's like you know we didn't have the best choices out there but then you look at what new yorkers just had to go through i don't feel sorry for them at all
1: you know? so you probably would have gone for wiley with your first vote
3: Um, Most likely, yeah. I mean, I uh, honestly have not followed it as closely as uh, many of my friends in got New it. York. I know a lot of people focused more on a lot of the other races, and there were some really, I mean, there's going to be a more progressive Manhattan DA, it looks like. Um, public advocate Jamani Williams got reelected. Tiffany Caban got elected to a city council seat. So there's a lot of other areas where, you know, progressives spared pretty well, and I think that that's where a lot of those groups focus their energies rather than on um, the mayor's race. But, of course, who is mayor will have massive uh, impacts on how the city is run.
1: Monroe, did you have a favorite in that race?
2: Oh, yeah. As you know, I'm a habitual... MSNBC viewer. And um, prior to joining the race, Maya was on all the time. And I loved what she said on MSNBC. So um, and I, so I would just automatically voted. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, it's at MSNBC. So who would you vote in second? Who would you been your second choice? we we'll won't make you do five, which you've gone ahead oh, 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 oh.
2: <laughs> I, I couldn't do five because I don't have to think too long at heart. But my, my second probably would have been um, the, the the Hispanic woman, who's number three right oh. now. I name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, she and then and then then Adams would have been my third. I think.
1: Well, here's the thing, and I get both of your thoughts, and before we close, by going back to Chicago, uh, once again, I've said this to both of you today uh, already. Uh, the, 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 well, I hate using the word progressive, uh, Miles and Monroe, because it's so misused in Chicago. So I, I'm just going to say the lefty vote. The lefty vote was, if you think of it like in the presidential primary, the Sanders vote was Wiley. And uh, Adams was kind of like the Biden candidate. And just yeah. as in the Democratic primary, most of the black voters went with the Biden candidate. They went with Eric Adams, and the well, because
2: the violence is going on a lot yeah. to them than it is to the, the lefties.
1: Absolutely, and yeah. we have that. I just had that conversation yesterday, or it was yesterday with uh, Raymond Lopez, the alderman of the 15th ward. He was on the show, and his ward uh, includes parts of Englewood with, and uh, back of the yards. A lot of crime, a lot of shooting, and and uh, he was he was just very upfront telling me that. You know that I have I have a different view, me Ben, because I live in an area that's got less crime. Yeah. Uh, and Mark Sims, when he comes on the show, Monroe, he makes that same point to me as well. By teasing me because I can walk at night, I go for walks at night, and he yeah. goes, Ben, I can't walk at night in my neighborhood. So I'm re- I hear what you're saying, but the reality is the reality. like with Biden, Eric Adams won most of the black vote. Uh, do you think, Monroe, that there's a greater disconnect between black voters and the, uh, the Sanders wing and the left wing of the Democratic Party, or is it just a matter of this particular issue of crime? Go ahead.
2: I, th- I think there is um, a lot of difference. A, a, a lot of difference, yeah. Um, black people are much more conservative than you might imagine. You know, they're church-going, um, bread and butter, you know. They, uh, with the exception of race, you know, if America wasn't so racist, then they would be cl- closer to, um, not to the MAGAs, but to um, maybe the, um, I'm trying to think of somebody, um Maybe Mitt Romney. They might be closer to somebody like Mitt Romney, but the thing is, good, good, good old America has always <laughs> us have to be radical. I mean, you know, back, 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 back in the a hundred years ago, it was Booker T. Washington and um, Du Bois. Neither, neither, who would be uh, considered conservative although they had different philosophies on how to deal with the problem. But we were being lynched on a regular basis back then. And you had Jim Crow being fervently practiced, and you had the KKK having um, million man marches in D.C. back then. So, um, so there's never been an opportunity for, for black Americans to exercise any true conservatism
1: yeah that's a and so that has been this current situation has put them in the Democratic party. I agree with you a hundred percent. Miles, your thoughts on this
3: I think there's definitely uh, generational differences um, across you know all kinds of different you know voting blocks and um, think that you know when you look at younger people, whether they're um, from communities of color or not, there's tends to be more progressive views on uh, a host of issues um but in terms of appealing i think that that is a, a challenge for uh, people from the left wing of the democratic party or just on the political spectrum is um, you know making their issues speak to the daily lived experiences of um, people that they're trying to win the support of um i think one area if you you know look at uh, india and in, in Buffalo, who just won, you know, she's a black woman from the community there uh, and is openly left wing and was able to win the support of people of color across the city uh, running on an unapologetically left wing platform um, because she framed her campaign around the issues that are, you know, popular um, to uh, and and that face her uh, constituents. So I think that it depends on how you campaign um, and Uh, you know, I, I I think Chicago, we saw, we, we, have seen a lot of, you know, left-wing candidates of color succeed. Um, if you look at, uh, you know, some of the most left-wing people on the council, uh, on the city council, Jeanette Taylor among them, they're, you know, um, they're from communities of color, they're rooted there and that informs their politics. So, um, yeah, I don't think that it's necessarily hard and fast, uh, on, no, either way.
1: All right. Well, uh, since you mentioned, uh, Jeanette Taylor, we'll close with her. She'll be a guest, uh, tomorrow's show. Great timing. And miles, thank you for alerting me, uh, to what went down in the city council. Subsequent to you alerting me, I must've gotten five, uh, texts from various uh, friends of mine, sending me pictures of Jeanette Taylor going, toe to toe with Lori Lightfoot. And we'll be talking about, uh, that, uh, uh tomorrow. Uh, Miles, anything, any updates on that? I've been on the. We've been on the show talking for since one o'clock. Are there any updates uh, that have come out about what went down in today's city council uh, and, and what the outcome will be?
3: I'm sorry, my uh, audio is a little bit uh, rough here, so you might want to move on to Monroe for for now. Oh, okay.
1: I was just asking for updates, and Monroe's been with me, so he doesn't have any updates either. Uh, But that's as good a a moment as I need to close down the show. Okay, Ben,
2: Uh, before before we go, I I just got some breaking news. What's that? (laughs) Uh, One of Joyce's paintings has been selected to be um, in the United Nations.
1: Wow, that is freaking. Some good news, yeah. yeah she, uh, she came up with this, uh, a note and flashed it in front of me. Okay, uh, the Joyce in question is Joyce Owens, who is uh married to Monroe, and uh, she is the answer to the trivia question Who is the prospective guest of the Ben Jarofsky show that just will never come on the Ben Jarofsky show? She's got so much to say when I talk to her on the phone, but she won't come and say it on the air. But she's an exceedingly talented artist. I would say brilliant. And so congratulations, Joyce. And if that isn't enough to get you to come on this show, I don't know what. I quit. I give up. So congratulations.
3: That's great news. uh, I do have one uh, update I can jump in with, which is that the city council meeting has been adjourned um, after a lot of, uh, you know, back and forth uh we saw today over this Celia uh, Misa uh appointment uh, planned appointment and uh we'll see what happens going forward. It's it's a wild time on city council, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, it is a wild time. We'll be following that one going forward. All
3: right. Wanna thank Miles Camp
1: uh and Monroe Anderson for being my guests today. A, a kind of crazy day. Uh I was my I was going in one direction and then I talked to Miles and I kinda of went in a different direction. That's how it goes sometimes. Uh and again every Everybody, Jeanette Taylor will be a guest tomorrow. Uh, And she uh, was uh, tag team with Raymond Lopez to defer and publish uh, the uh, appointment, action on the appointment, which caused Mayor Lori Lightfoot to cancel the meeting and postpone everything to Friday. What a city, Chicago. The mayor has the right to defer and publish. Jeanette Taylor does not. You got that right, everybody. All right. Miles Conflassen, thank you very much. Monroe Anderson, thank you very much. And I think you both agree. That a a, a shout-out has to be given to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, who is in in Alton as we're doing this show. Uh, Tomorrow, Dr. D will be on vacation. Uh, He will not be uh, serving as producer of the show, Uh, but Nate Alvarado uh, will be uh, stepping in. He's the guy who does our... uh, or bonus episodes over the weekend. So Nate, I'm sure, is going to do a good job. He's a young, he's a a rookie, but Dr. D is breaking him in. Uh, So, Dennis, have a great two days off. Get a lot of rest. Come back stronger for next week. And while you're off, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. (laughs) See you tomorrow, everybody.